welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. If you're following along in the study guide, we have a reading. We're going to do the readings first and then get into our conversation about Luke chapter 13. So the first time it's read, I want you to think about the perspective of the bent over woman. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. And now for the second reading, I want you to put yourself in the place of the synagogue leader and think about this account from the perspective of the synagogue leader. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who'd been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent double for 18 years and wasn't able to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? This shamed his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, New Living Translation. Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith, and today we are talking about one of my favorite chapters in Luke, chapter 13, and my guest back from chapter 3, again, is the co-producer from Susie Larson Live, my co-worker, Kim Sanders. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yes, I'm so glad you're back. So this is my favorite chapter, and this this account of the woman, the bent over woman God has used in my life to like really transform some of my thinking of the way that I view him and understanding the way that he views me. So I'm so excited to talk about it. So in the study guide we have, um, and what you just heard is the reading through this account of the bent over woman, looking at it from the perspective of the bent over woman and then the perceptive of the synagogue leader so what stuck out to you from the perspective of the bent over woman? Well, so I, you know, I followed your instructions and I was just listening um, first with as if I was in that place. I closed my eyes and um, I just thought, you know, if that were me, I would hate to have attention put on me, especially in the context of this day and age in which she finds herself where a disfigurement or a, a disability of any kind is not just some physical ailment it's 
it's a, really a statement about your your spiritual standing with God, and you may have been cursed, or you you are outside of God's blessing. Somebody in your family did something terrible. It doesn't give a lot of picture to that, but that I know that that's the context of the time, the right. historical context. So I thought, you know, she's probably at the very least embarrassed, probably ashamed. And probably ignored. I mean, and she probably spent alone? a lot. Yes, a lot of her life alone. Yes, mentally probably not in a great place. You know, and feeling invisible. Yes, I would imagine. Yes, and then my Bible says that Jesus laid his hands on her, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. And so it takes this immediate hard turn to what I would imagine is like your heart feels full, right? Like you have this excitement, this joy, a peace that washes over you if you are in this mental place where nobody cares about me and my life is meaningless and I can't do what I want to do. And suddenly, Mm -hmm. none of that matters. I have Jesus. God is good, you know. And so that was what I noticed about the bent over woman. Yeah, what it ha- what has stood out to me and why this is so powerful for me in my life is that Jesus, it says in verse 11, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. He saw her. Mm. It's not like the bleeding woman who touched the hem of his robe. It's not like the man who was lowered through the roof on the mat by his friends. Yeah. They were pursuing Jesus. They were going after Jesus for healing. We don't know why she was in the synagogue. Was she was she just there to worship, to make an offering? But he saw her. Mm. She was not invisible to him. And that scene wasn't just seen with your eyes. It was like we see with Roe, the Hebrew word that we see Hagar using in the Old Testament, that to see is to really see someone, mm-hmm. to consider them. And we see Jesus take action like you read he reaches out and he heals her. So not only does he see her, he heals her. Yeah. And this dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, so he he heals her body and then restores her by giving her her place back again as a daughter, claiming who she is. She is a daughter of Abraham. And so for me, this was like that God sees me. I am not invisible. Even when I feel invisible, when I, you know, I'm not bent over, but if I feel crippled by, you know, my own weirdness or, you know, something. (laughs) Yeah. But that he still sees me. And beyond that, he cares and interacts and comes in Mm -hmm. and dwells with me. Yeah. And those places where you feel somehow limited, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, you're saying I don't, I'm not limited by a physical ailment necessarily, but those places where you feel invisible, sometimes it's, it's those feelings, those right. places where you kind of, you do trap yourself in your mindset. I think it's really beautiful because my, again, my translation says you are free. That's what he says mm-hmm. to her. You are free of your disability. You are free from this trap that you have found yourself in go like live your life Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't look back and I think that you know it's really wonderful to have these physical healings um that represent that you could really see but God is doing that kind of work within us as well and maybe he yes he sees it and he heals us and he frees us and we see it and no one else may ever really see it unless we were to testify to it but it's happening we are free Mm -hmm. like that's amazing 
And the fact that Jesus is not only just willing to do that when someone pursues him, which we can certainly do. That's within our power. It's within the power of our our faith community to pursue that for us. Like you see the friends lowering their friend through the roof. Mm -hmm. But also that his heart is not just that he would do a favor when someone asks, but that he wants us to be free. He wants us to be healed. And so he does that work for us because he sees us. Mm -hmm. I think it's in chapter 19 where it, Somebody asks about what, you know, talks about the Son of Man coming to seek and to save. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we go right to save because that is a huge deal. But that he also seeks Mm -hmm. us and woos us and comes after us and chases us and sometimes is tenacious. Yeah. In that. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to the timing, too, because uh, even in my own life and my walk before, Kind of, I, I kind of imagine it almost like Jesus was, because Jesus is always there. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's there, he's hanging out, but like I'm kind of like got my blinders on. I'm ignoring the works that are happening in my life. And then when you come to salvation and I think the timing, even though other people in my life, you know, my parents, my grandparents, those people who so desperately wanted me to jump to being saved, they maybe were anxious for that timing, but God knew what, what was going on and worked all of those things to the right timing and and. That points to the other part of this account where the synagogue leaders are all upset because it happened on a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, no, that's fine. And and don't you also right. <laughs> do some things that maybe you want to be critical of to others? Well, this is this is the purpose for my my ministry. And so I'm going to I'm going to do this on the Sabbath. Why would she wait one more day to be healed? Right. Talk a little bit about how you saw the kind of the juxtaposition of the two of the bent over woman. Yeah. And the synagogue leaders. Well, so as I was listening through the reading of these these verses twice through, I did I just wrote notes as I was going and then looking back at it, I noticed there's almost like this mirror image of what I observed. So again, this may or may not be super intended by Luke here, but I noticed that at first the bent over woman, she experiences what I'm assuming is embarrassment, um, humiliation, ashamed. She is, feels invisible perhaps. Um, and now, and the, then, now it's been pointed out that, you know, what she is or what yes, she's identifying and herself she's, as. She's embarrassed by that. And then when the healing occurs, now she's filled with these positive feelings of joy and excitement um, and, and freedom. And, on the flip side of that, the synagogue leaders, they come across first as self-righteous, a little proud. Um, mm-hmm. And then it even actually says in the text that they were humiliated. And so now they are feeling this embarrassment. And so I just I just noted that there was a flip happening there where um, before Jesus interacts with them, they feel pretty good. Right. And now suddenly they feel pretty embarrassed, whereas the opposite was true for the bent over woman. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I've never noticed that before. Yeah, I I didn't even notice it when I read through the text first because I read through the whole chapter and then I went back to the study guide and listened to Mm -hmm. those things and that's what stuck out to me. And I didn't even notice it when I was writing them down. It was after I listened twice through and written my notes that I went, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And so the other question on the study guide takes us to um, verses 18 to 21, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast. And the question is, what do, what do they tell us about the kingdom of God? Yeah, so the kingdom of I wrote down the kingdom of God is is cultivated like a seed, and it starts small, but then it grows, mm-hmm. and it. My, this is me kind of 
inferring into the text or this is how I felt when I read it. So take that for what it is. But it felt like the kingdom of God is this safe shelter. It is a place, right? It's talking about a garden. Um, And I pictured comfort. I mean that there's this expansive space that provides for the birds, right? right? And that they feel safe enough to nest there and to invest in that place is the picture that I got from that. And then as we turn to the the yeasted bread, I'm a baker. And so I immediately <laughs> start thinking about the actual process of making bread. And like many people in 2020, I learned to make yeah. bread. <laughs> and then I was like, 50 pounds of flour is kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot. And so <laughs> I quick did some math in my head and I, I the recipe for bread that I use uses 500 grams of flour. I didn't know the conversion rate so I googled it. Mm-hmm. It's about a pound. 50 pounds of flour would make 50 today modern loaves of bread. She's probably making smaller loaves than that. That's a lot of bread. That and that's bread. how expansive and explosive the growth is of the kingdom of God. That it would just continue to to produce more and more and if you leave yeasted dough it in the right conditions it's gonna overflow the container and that's the power and the growth that comes from from the kingdom of god and then if we stick with the bread thing that's so much bread that provides for so many Mm. so those were the things that i thought about and i also thought to make 50 loaves of bread to make one loaf of bread actually takes some planning to make 50 loaves of bread <laughs> takes a lot of planning, especially if you're just doing that in your home kitchen like I'm assuming the woman in the analogy is because you can't bake them all at once. <laughs> right, right. So that takes intentionality. And I think that, I mean, we know that to be true about God. He's a very intentional God who has a plan for the kingdom and for us. Well, that makes me think of Jesus being the bread of life mm-hmm. too. And, and I— what stuck out to me with this was the, like what you were saying, the small seed becoming a whole garden and the tiny bit of yeast in a lot of flour permeates the whole thing and affects the whole thing to make it grow. Yeah. And I think what's important too to remember that the kingdom of God isn't a far off thing. It's a now mm. thing, which is kind of makes my head hurt sometimes trying yeah. to understand that or comprehend that, but that it's now. Yeah. Well, and I also think it kind of makes my heart hurt because mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's true, but it's alongside this other thing, which is the world apart from God. Right. And so you have to live in the now and the not yet, and you have to wait for the fulfillment of some of God's promises, both the personal promises just to you and the promises that are true for all of us as Christians. And sometimes that's really hard. It's a hard tension. It's a really hard And you were rubbing thing. your hands together when yes. you were talking about it, and there's frick because there's friction. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like like there's this, this place where it, it causes you to feel like you can't quite move forward in everything that you want or the timing feels off, even though we must trust that God's timing is good, which is right. the other part of the lesson here. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you so much, Kim. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for coming back. Me. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for this Luke chapter 13. I hope you have subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and we will see you next time for Luke chapter 14. 
The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.